My name's Jeremy. Uh, if you're new here, I am the Harrison Campus Pastor, and uh, this morning feels like a big morning for me because I get to officially invite you to be part of our core team in Harrison. So at Central, our vision is to see the entire Eastern Fraser Valley transformed by the gospel for the glory of God and the good of all people. Um, anyone disagree with that vision? No, it's, it's this wonderful thing, right? It's this good thing that we are pursuing. And that is why uh, at Central, we take on campuses uh, right here. Just over nine years ago, Central launched their first campus here in Agassiz. And church planting through campuses is not the only way of making disciples and reaching the lost. Uh, perhaps there are far better ways, but it's the way in which God has led our church. And it's something that we are excited to do uh, later this year, just 10 minutes away in Harrison. Now, in Harrison, we have a community that needs Jesus. Uh, Harrison's a small little community, but it's growing quick. Uh, 2016, the census then recorded that the population at the time was less than 1,500 people. Last year, 2021, population had, ex had exceeded 1,900. We're probably close to 2,000 now. And so that's a population growth of 29.8%, making it the second fastest growing community in Southwest BC. And there are, are people there, there are many people there who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and so there are great evangelistic needs. There are also many who do know Jesus and are not currently attending a church because, you know, even though their church is right here, 10 minutes away in Agassiz, um, they're maybe not making that effort, but would potentially come to a church in town. And so there's great discipleship opportunities. But God has given us right now, uh, to Central, the opportunity to be the one and only church in Harrison. And so we want to just pursue that for the glory of God. As you heard last Sunday, uh, we are planning to launch this fall, September kickoff uh, in Harrison. We're looking right now for a group of about 30 individuals from Central's different campuses that would join the team that we've been developing over the past few months of locals in Harrison already. And uh, we want to do this not by September, but to even have this group put together, this core team put together by May. So we are looking for people of all shapes and sizes with all sorts of different gifts that would feel God's calling and would come and would serve. Um, some specific areas of need that we have are people that would be uh, gifted in singing or playing instruments, leading worship, uh, people that would be willing to serve in kids' ministry, and then uh, audiovisual as well. But uh, we're looking for, for anyone who God might be calling to serve. Now, don't get me wrong, this is uh, a tall order. This is a big ask. Uh, we're looking for people who would commit for two years, uh, starting in the fall, it's about 100 Sundays that you'd be committing to. And we're not just looking for people to, to come and, you know, for you to warm a, a comfier chair in Harrison, uh, but for people to come and to serve, uh, to give of your time, to give of the talents that God's given you, 
to give financially with your treasures, supporting the church, uh, to come and to pray. If you join our core team, that'll be something that you hear from me and from others in our team over and over again. We want to be diligent about praying for the community, praying for the church, uh, that we might build God's kingdom there. We're looking for people who are committed, desire to serve, and, and are willing to put their names down to that. And so if you're at all interested on your way out this morning at our welcome desk, we've got Harrison Campus Core Team Covenants. Uh, we, we're looking for people who are yeah, willing to sign your name and agree that this is something you're willing to commit to over the next couple of years. So it's a big ask, tall order. But if you agree to this, um, you would not be the first person to do so. Uh, Central's got a history of doing this. Several years ago, Pastor Chris Battle did basically the same thing that I'm doing this morning and went to our different campuses asking for people to become part of our Lake Arock campus. And people responded. People like uh, Mike and Rachel Harrison and Rachel's mom, Marilyn, and brother Sean, you know, they lived in Fairfield Island at the time. They sold their family farm. They liquidated about $70,000 worth of very specialized farming equipment. And they moved out here to Agassiz because they so felt God's call to go to Lake Arock. Uh, there's people like Julian and Becky Garnier. He's one of our elders, his wife and their family. Um, he tells me that the French do not like to drive. I guess everything is quite close together in France, but they've committed to the Lake Arock campus and every Sunday they drive 45 plus minutes each way from Chilliwack to Lake Arock and back because they feel God's calling to that community. When they heard Chris Battle years ago make this invitation, the question that they asked themselves was not why, implying, you know, what's in it for me? But Julian and Becky remember asking, why not? Why not go and be a gospel presence in Lake Arak? You know, I also want to put this in, in perspective. Um, this is a big ask, you know, two years in Harrison, but it's not actually that big of an ask. I want to show you a picture. So this is uh, my family almost 30 years ago. Why do I show you this picture? Uh, <laughs> it's certainly not to brag on my awesome bowl cut that my mom used to give me back in the day. <laughs> uh, we could bring that picture down before you see it too long. Uh, but it's because this picture was taken maybe a couple months before uh, my family moved, my parents moved our family to Mexico City where my parents served uh, as church planters in three different church plants for 10 years. Um, for any of us getting involved in Harrison, it'll involve change, but it's not actually that radical a sacrifice. For my parents, it meant moving across two international boundaries, learning a new language, leaving all of our family and friends behind, and doing that with two young kids and, and my baby brother. And it's not just them, you know, church planters and missionaries from centuries past have made huge sacrifices 
to take the gospel to those who don't know it. And so I want to challenge you that if God is leading you to spend two years in Harrison is, is a small sacrifice in comparison with the eternal fruit that he might use you to bear. So what are some next steps? Well, discern God's call. I, I challenge you to recognize that our natural instinct is probably to say no, to be comfortable and to justify our inaction by saying, ah, someone else will go. But what if someone else doesn't go? What if no one else answers the call? That said, uh, if God is not calling you, stay, right? There are gospel needs here in Agassiz as well. Uh, if this is something that you've been praying about, hopefully this invitation is not a surprise to you. Uh, I would love to talk to you. I'd be so encouraged if you come and find me after the service and we can chat about this. And if this is something that you have questions about, that you are maybe discerning, maybe it's somewhat new to you, uh, this Tuesday evening uh, at the Harrison campus, we're going to be having a Harrison core team information meeting. It's a really long name to say, we're having coffee. Come join me, uh, George and Michelle will be there as well. They're part of our Harrison Life Group. We'd love to chat with you, pray together and explore how God might be leading. Uh, and most of all, pray for us. Pray for God's work in, in Harrison, uh, in our Fraser Valley. And I'd uh, love to invite Pastor Eldon up just to, uh, yeah, to pray for us, to pray for this initiative. I am privileged to do so. Why don't we stand together and pray for our brother, Pastor Jeremy, his family, for those who have already formed the core of uh, what's happening, a part of the core of what's happening, but the call is for more. Just don't take them all, okay, Jeremy? Like we, had, we need to leave a few behind. I'll send a few back. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh, no. I won't say anything. Oh, that's so good. When we started this campus eight years ago, uh, our... our campus in Chilliwack did the same thing hmm. and some people stayed five years and then uh, went back some stayed one two years some stayed permanently and we're so blessed um, that this is the fruit of what's gonna, has happened and what will happen in your context and so I've I've learned over the years makes me panic a little bit when I think oh some hmm. of you could leave and we might, might not see you for two years but if we carry our bucket that God has filled and we never empty it, he has no more blessing to add. <laughs> mm. He wants us to continually dump it out so he can fill it again. We can keep going for his kingdom. That's It's about kingdom. So Father, we mm. thank you for your kingdom. We pray your kingdom would come and your will would be done in Harrison through Pastor Jeremy and through the core that you are calling. So thank you that you do call clearly. And those that are hearing your voice, even now, but those that will hear your voice in the following weeks, maybe on Tuesday at the coffee, I pray that uh, if it is they truly discern that is your call, that they would respond in obedience and take up the mantle of leadership and service to uh, see our Harrison campus launch well this fall. We pray for its blessing, for its growth. We pray for its protection. We ask God that you would be glorified in and through 
uh, your work in Harrison and through your servants who are leading there. Um, Bless Pastor Jeremy and Amanda and their children as they lead the charge. Just give them grace, provision, Mm -hmm. wisdom. Give all of us discernment to your call in our lives. Thank you for Jeremy's uh, friendship. Uh, He's learned the second language as well down there in Mexico, and he affectionately calls me senior. (laughs) And I call him my amigo. (laughs) And so uh, special relationship. I love this brother, and I pray that you would use him mightily. And even now, especially now, as he preaches your word to us, pour your grace and your spirit upon him to preach boldly and open our hearts and ears to hear you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm. Please have a seat. Amen. Thanks, senor. (laughs) All right. I feel like we could just go into worship and go home now, but I got to preach it, eh? All right. So uh, this past week, I got to admit, I was bemoaning our weather a little bit it's a little cold, a little windy, a little rainy, and anyone else looking forward to summer? Yeah, I was. And I was remembering past summers as well, uh, particularly the summer of 2011. Uh, that summer, the weather was amazing. I remember having a lot of fun with friends that summer. Uh, I also wasn't married yet. Oh, my wife's still here. <laughs> Appreciate all the structure you brought into my life, hon. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I was working uh, with, with Dan Sluice uh, and his brother Tim. Uh, we did lots of work in Garrison Crossing, right next to the Vetter River uh, at the time. And uh, we knew what we were doing, we did good work, and we worked hard. At least until lunch. You know, lunch would come around, and it's 30 degrees out, and the river's right there. And we had like loads of self-control. But some weeks, more often than not, we ended up tubing down the river and having a glorious time. One day, though, we decided to give river rafting a shot. Now, in your head, you're probably picturing, you know, this industrial-grade, large, um, I don't know, heavy-duty raft you could fit probably eight people comfortably in. Uh, that would be the wrong river raft. Uh, Dan had recently gone to Canadian Tire and found a baby shark-themed small children's boat uh, rated with a weight limit of about 300 pounds. So we decided, ah, 300, three schmundred. We'd put 450 plus into this river raft and not put it in a pool, but go down some class three whitewater rapids in Chilliwack River. What could go wrong? Oh, did I mention Tim couldn't swim and wasn't wearing a life jacket? So we got there, we got on this little boat on the side of the river. It was quite, quite rocky, and uh, we didn't get very far. Um, So before we punctured the boat, but after we uh, all got several bruises on our behinds, uh, we decided to man up, and okay, we're going to go into the middle of the river. Well, that lasted about... Three and a half seconds. Uh, Dan got tossed one side and swam to shore. I got tossed out the other side and swam to the wrong shore and then had to re-swim the rapid coming to shore. Tim miraculously, by God's grace, stayed in the boat and managed to come to the side. We never did that again. <laughs> this morning, uh, believe it or not, this sermon is not on stupidity. It is on friendship. 
and want to take a look at what Scripture has to tell us about our next family dynamic, that of being friends. So Pastor Matt is a gifted pastor, uh, preacher, writer, uh, and so I am unashamedly going to read you his sermon synopsis this morning. Love what he put together and a couple stats that really stuck out to me. So this is from Pastor Matt. Did you know that one in five millennials say they have no friends? One in four Gen Zers say that they often or always feel alone. Our society has come to define intimacy as something that can only be found and fulfilled in a lover. All of this is to say that Canadians have a friendship crisis on our hands. That Jesus calls us his friends and gives us a vision for gospel friendship is one of the most important truths that we could receive in this moment. And so I want to invite you to stand and we're going to read through John 15, verses 12 to 15. This will be uh, one of our texts this morning. This is Jesus speaking. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You may have your seats. From this text, from other texts, I want to make the point this morning that great friends love sacrificially. Let me pray for us as we dive into God's word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the authority that it contains. Thank you that it is true. Thank you that uh, it applies to our lives today uh, just as much as it did 2,000 plus years ago when it was written. Holy Spirit, we invite you to, to speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. Align um, us with you, conform us into the image of Christ, and uh, yeah, lift Jesus high. We pray this in your name, amen. So I want to start this morning by looking at the kind of friendship that we would most commonly associate friendship with, and that's friendship with other people. So if I asked you what the most prominent friendship in the Bible is, what would you say? David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan. Ding, ding, ding. You are the winner. Excellent. I love it when that happens. I was worried someone would say someone, something else and then I'd have to redirect. So yes, David and Jonathan, fantastic friendship. We have David, this humble son of Jesse, who kind of out of nowhere, Samuel the prophet comes to him and anoints him as the future king of Israel. Problem is, there's a present king of Israel. Uh, and he's still alive. And Jonathan is Saul the king's son. So 1 Samuel 17 contains this classic children's Bible story of David killing Goliath. And then right after that, 
Jonathan and David are introduced for the first time. So I want to read to you uh, the first four verses of 1 Samuel 18. And notice how quickly Jonathan and David hit it off. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him, David, as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. So these two guys, Jonathan and David, uh, they had a lot in common. Both were mighty warriors. They'd been successful in courageous military expeditions against the Philistines. You know, if they were modern-day Agassiz boys, they're probably strong hunting men. And so they've got this, this thing in common, and yet their friendship goes beyond that. Right off the bat, uh, you know, they are close. They are intimate. Jonathan, we see, you know, goes all out right at the start and, and gives David these generous gifts that, as we'll find out in a bit, actually point forwards to royal happenings. But after this, things go downhill for David because, you know, David has a lot of success. And as he and Saul are making their way back to Jerusalem, the women of the cities, they sing their praises. And they sing of, of Saul, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, yay! But David, did I get high enough there, Cody? <laughs> Almost? A little higher, okay. But David, he's killed his tens of thousands, woohoo! All right, <laughs> that's for you. <laughs> but put yourself in Saul's shoes. Oh, they're, they're praising David more highly than they are me. That's a hit to the ego. And you know, if, if, if he was mature enough, if we were mature enough, okay, whatever, I can take a hit to the pride, move forward, right? Praise God for the deliverance that he's worked through David. Problem is Saul is not mature enough. And so he goes to the extreme and seeks to kill David. Now fast forward to Samuel, 1 Samuel 19, verse 1. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And so after this verse, Jonathan goes on to intercede for David. Look at all the good that he's done, Dad. He hasn't opposed you. Why would you try to take his life? And thankfully, Jonathan wins his dad over, verse 7. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. And things were good for three verses. Until David is more successful, and Saul once again seeks to take his life. And so David has to flee for his life from Saul, away from his wife. And then as we fast forward to 1 Samuel uh, 20, 
David comes to Jonathan complaining about how his father again is seeking to kill him. Now, Saul didn't bring Jonathan in on this, and so at first Jonathan doesn't believe what David's saying, but they make a covenant to have each other's backs. And in this covenant, Jonathan again expresses his deep love for his friend, verse 17 of 1 Samuel 20. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Jonathan ends up risking his life to save David. His father throws a spear at him. But this is the extent of Jonathan's love for his friend. Later on, Jonathan openly recognizes David's future for Samuel 23, 17. And Jonathan said to him, to David, do not fear for the hand of Saul, my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father also knows this. So even in this, this short glimpse of their relationship, we see this, this sacrificial example of love in this friendship between Jonathan and David. Particularly coming from Jonathan, we see how, you know, right off the bat, he, he gives David generous gifts as a friend. Later on, he intercedes with his father, the king, for David's life. He then actually risks his own life for David's life. And finally, later on, he recognizes that even though he, Jonathan, would have been heir to the throne, and Jonathan's no, no weak, incapable man. You know, he's a, he's a strong guy. I'm sure he, he looked forward to taking the throne from his father to perhaps having that power and prestige, very likely even for using that for good to accomplish God's will. But he relinquishes that for his friend, recognizing God's leading. Jonathan continually demonstrates sacrificial friendship, love. At the beginning of 2 Samuel, David discovers that both Saul and Jonathan have been killed in battle. And this is how David grieves for his friend Jonathan. 2 Samuel 1, 26. I'm distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. They had this close, intimate friendship relationship. Now our, our overly sexually charged culture has sometimes made the accusation that, oh, this, this wasn't just a friendship between Jonathan and David. No, this was actually a, a homosexual relationship. These were close friends with, with gay benefits. But scripture makes no indication of that. These were close friends honoring God and loving one another sacrificially. Do you have any friends like that? Friends that you know, you are, are so close with friends that have sacrificed for you repeatedly throughout your years of friendship. Friend that, that comes to my mind, not because he's 
you know, he laid down his life for me or paid off my mortgage, but because he's been a, a steady uh, influence and, um, you know, showing that sacrificial love is, is a friend back in Manitoba by the name of Wayne Wall. Uh, when we candidated out in Manitoba almost six years ago, Wayne was one of the men on the pastoral search committee that we met right at the very beginning. Uh, we hit it off, as did uh, our wives. Our kids became good friends. Uh, the Wall family hosted us many a time for, for supper, uh, for movie nights. He'd put up a projector outside their house and a screen in the summer, and we watched movies just after the sun went down. They had our kids over for night. They were part of our pastoral support group out there, which we met with uh, quarterly, where we could just share the burdens that we were carrying in pastoral ministry, and they would pray for us. Wayne was very deliberate about having lunch together frequently and, and would regularly reach out through WhatsApp, just asking me how I was doing, letting me know that, that he was praying for me that day. Um, we had another WhatsApp conversation last night, and uh, he was just encouraging me, and, and I know that he's praying for me this morning. Um, he's also the reason I'm wearing pink. He dared me to, even though my wife would say it's seasonally inappropriate, um, but here it is. Uh, but Wayne this morning is wearing purple underwear to church, so I think the joke's on him. The thing is, these are such valuable relationships that uh, in many ways we've, we've lost track of in society today. And yet they're meant to be a, a gift from God to us. And so I want to challenge us this morning to pursue these relationships in three ways. Uh, first of all, let's pursue that that closeness, that intimacy of relationship where we can be so open with, with a trusted friend. Um, you know, friendships offer unique opportunities. Um, my wife will never jump into a small boat and go down whitewater rapids with me. Uh, she's far too smart. <laughs> uh, or she won't go, you know disc golfing out in hope when the temperatures are sub-zero and there's two feet of powder on the ground. She's also too smart, but Dan and Cody will do that with me. Not that they're not smart. You're really smart, Cody. <laughs> but there's that unique opportunity, right, in friendships to, uh, to have a closeness that is different, perhaps, than that of a, a marriage relationship. Secondly, I want to encourage us to pursue sacrificial love in our friendships. You know, let's go deeper than just going out for coffee or, or, you know, sharing a hobby together. But even in those things, how can we show Christ's sacrificial love? And ultimately, let's pursue Christ together in those relationships. Uh, something, for example, Dan, Cody and I have tried to do as we, we go out and we play the silly sport of disc golf is uh, we've been doing a Bible reading plan together. And so as we go out, we share about what God's been teaching us and we pray together. But let's, let's maximize these relationships that, that God's designed for us, friendship relationships, and use them to grow closer to Christ together. So I want to transition back now to our initial sermon passage as we take a look at not friendships with people, but the opportunity that we have to have a friendship with God. So John 
15, verses 12 to 17 this time. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This passage is the most explicit pas- <clears throat> excuse me, passage in scripture where Jesus refers to us as friends. Now it's, it's a super deep text. We could spend the rest of the day just in this text and looking at different theological matters. But I want to highlight three different things. First of all, Jesus is our, our Lord, right? Uh, we fall before him. He is the maker of the universe. Uh, we are nothing before him. And yet, despite him being our Lord, he grants us this privilege of having friendship with him, this close relationship. Secondly, to be true to this text, we need to recognize that this friendship in one sense hinges on our obedience. We are called to obey God's commands. But on the other hand, we also see how we can rely on God's choice. He has chosen us. Ultimately, our obedience, our external works of obeying God's commands, they are an outward evidence of the friendship that we have with God, that God has initiated with us. What gets me the most is though that imbalance in this relationship. Here we have the omnipotent God of the universe spoke creation into being, you know, wanting to be friends with, with us, mere mortals, people who, you know, lose their glasses on top of their heads. It's a privilege. <laughs> Some of you are laughing because you do that. <laughs> um, imagine for a second that you are a close friend with none other than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay? Imagine. So this is a guy that back in his heyday was one of the most muscular, strongest men around, right? He's got bodybuilding competitions named after him. He's just ripped, right? The veins are popping off his body if you were to look him up on Google. Powerful, strong guy. You know, if I turn sideways, you lose sight of me because I'm so weak and skinny. But Arnold, whew. Then he started getting into making movies, right? And, and gained fame in the Hollywood industry. Uh, Oscar-winning films. Okay, maybe not Oscar-winning films, but had famous lines like, get to the chopper. <laughs> he developed this following and then went on to be the governor of California and, and gained some political power and prestige. But imagine, like, you've got him on rapid dial on your phone. 
You could call him up at any time and be like, what's up, Arnie? And he'd answer right back. I'd be something I would feel privileged uh, to have, a, a relationship I would be honored to have. You know, I might drop his name as I go up for coffee with friends. Yeah, did you know, you know, I was just talking to Arnold. It'd be a privilege to have that relationship, right? And, and assuming that uh, we're also imagining that, that he's living an integral life, one of, you know, integrity and character and all that. How much more having this relationship with the God of the universe, right? Psalm 8, verses 1 to 4, points out that imbalance. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, You have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at at your heavens, the work of your fingers, he didn't have to labor for years to make them, just the work of his fingers. The moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. And yet, he does, right? God cares intimately and deeply about each one of us. This relationship is such a huge privilege. Did you know that in the Old Testament, God calls only one person friend? Isaiah 41, verse 8 But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. And yet now in the New Testament, Jesus calls all of his disciples friends. What an opportunity. Because of what Jesus has done for us, his life, his death, his resurrection, he has opened up the way. Right? We no longer have to have that distance between us, but we can have close, intimate relationship with our maker. And so I want to encourage us this morning to treasure that, to seek that relationship. Let's pursue relationship with God by, by living in his ways, being obedient to his commands. Let's have that assurance as well of the relationship that we have with God, not because of outward acts of obedience, but because of Christ's work, his working in our lives. And let's count it a privilege that we can have such intimate relationship that we would be called friends of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, it truly is a privilege to be called your friends. Um, You are holy. Scripture describes you as as dwelling in unapproachable light because of how holy you are. And yet, through the reconciling work of your son, we can draw near. And and you take the initiative. You call us friends. Father, would you help us to realize what an honor that is, God? 
and to, to seek that relationship, Father, uh, with you above all costs. And Father, as we, as we live our lives here on earth, um, I thank you for the close friendships that you bless us with. Uh, would you help us to be diligent in, in pursuing those friendships, um, both with those who, who do not know you, God, so that we might be a light uh, to them, a light for the gospel, and with those uh, who are fellow believers so that we might seek you together. You're so worthy, Lord Jesus. And uh, we love you, we praise you. And we pray all of this in your name. Amen.